This episode was made possible by our patrons. Reborn Neji, Twilight Goddess, Tech Violence, Dekoi, and Novel Nigma. If you would like to support the show's continued existence, then join the Patreon down below. To anyone who can hear this broadcast, this is the Armitage account. of Oliver Corbin. Please leave your name in a brief message after the tone. Um, hello, uh, Headmaster Corp... Oliver. I just wanted to thank you for giving me this extra time to consider your offer. I've done a lot of thinking over the last two weeks, and I decided it would be best to stop. I've been destroying myself. I was destroying myself, but I'm better now. Um, I'm being cared for until I'm on my feet again. I can't throw away everything they're doing for me. I hope you understand. Thank you for the opportunity. I can't believe this whole house is yours. This office is amazing. Yeah, um, she signed it over to me a week before the incident. Prosecutors wanted to use it as a case against the insanity plea. Oh, um, so is this where... Yeah, um, this is where I found her research. I see. Well, hopefully Lou turned something up today. Though, she is home awfully late. You guys don't need to keep doing that. It, really. It's fine. Come on. You know what they say. Tenth time's the charm, right? No, really. I'm done. No more spooky library. No more you and Lou running around the city. No more Artemich. Oh. Okay. I'll call Lou. Thanks. Um, now I think it's time to tell them as well. So. Of course. I'll leave you to it. Thanks, Felix. Anytime. Isaac Andrews. October 13th, 2022, 20 hours. I'm... I am here to announce that I will be putting the Artemidge account to rest. While I still wish to know more about my mother's obsession, I think this podcast has done much more harm than good over the last four releases. I do want to thank those of you who came out in support after the most recent release. 
I have a couple of comments, reviews, and uh, emails in front of me. At Crispy9143 on YouTube called me Baby Girl, which I don't know how to feel about. Um, uh, The other side of things, a listener from PA wrote that they were begging me to pronounce Artemidge correctly. I don't know what you mean by that. I'm pretty sure I said Artemidge and not, as you said, Omritage. It's a little ridiculous, but... um... Oh! uh, I have another from Library Fan. There's an attachment. What? Felix! Felix, call Luke! She's still not picking up. Shit. Um, I'm calling the police. No. We have to go. One wrong move and that's it. Back to the fucking library? Are you serious? You saw those photos. If you want to see her alive again, go to the collection tonight. We only get one shot at this. Isaac! It's a trap. I know! But that doesn't change what we have to do. How the hell did you get on? Get the key out. I'm working on it. Hey, asshole! I'm back! You made your point. How about you finally fucking show yourself? Isaac, I don't see Lou. Is it you, Ryan? <laughs> Did you bug the place? I knew you hated me, but to result in death threats, that's Isaac. just a little unlike you. Or maybe, maybe Headmaster Washington was right. Maybe you're actually fucking magic. A horde of magic books that can reach through my phone and fuck with me! No! You are not doing this. This fan wants you like this. They want you to hurt. They want you here. So some freak wants to hurt us. We'll deal with that. What we're not going to do is pretend that this place is fucking magic! What the f- What does it say? Isaac. Felix, what does it say? It's titled, A History of Arkham and the Occult. Does it have a note with it? Yeah. It has your name on it. Well, I guess we know what has to happen then. I'll read it for you. No. I'm not putting you or Lou in any more danger. Besides, if I hate what's in front of me, I can always just stop reading. Okay. I'll be right here then. Thanks. You were there when it happened. When life gave way to madness and when she... How did they... (laughs) Isaac? No. Hey. No. Hey, buddy. No, I'm not reading this. It's gonna be okay. I'm right here. Hey. No. No. No, I am not going to fucking read! You were there when it happened. 
when life gave way to madness, and when she became what she was always going to be, what you are always going to be. You will always remember her as your protector, and you would be right. After all, she was your mother. You were ten when you first learned about him. You were curious. Why had you never seen your grandfather? So you asked her. She said he'd left when she was young, but you knew that was a lie. You knew because of the way she looked at you through her deep black hair and cracked a smile, just like yours, one so unsure. You were 13 when you decided to investigate, another skill you and your mother share. Your last name yielded little to no results, so common. So you started with her. You found out what you already knew. She was a celebrated documentarian and cinematographer, but moved back to Arkham when she had you. When she could hold a job again, she left the film world to teach at Miskatonic University. You wondered if she would have been happier in her old life before you. Had you killed her dreams? You stopped obsessing over this. You knew the answer. You found it, though. It was small, just a sentence or two at the bottom of an article. How your mother survived and thrived despite being raised by Arkham's most infamous, the mad poet of the Miskatonic. You knew the name, a name so entrenched in Arkham's history to become mythology. Legend has it that dozens of missing persons had possessed his works, and if you were to read any of them, then you would go missing too. They say that all those who attended his reading on the night of Hollow's Eve vanished into thin air. When authorities brought him in for questioning, he only spoke in verses of obscure meaning littered with nonsensical syllables. They say that when he escaped the penitentiary, he bent the minds and bodies of the guards with nothing but spoken verse. He was only stopped for good when he was gunned down by a cop who had been hiding in the shadows. But that was just legend. It was true that he was an old menace of the town, a killer who was shot to bits. But now you knew he was your grandfather. You confronted your mother. How dare she have kept such a secret from you? A blight in your bloodline. You chastised her in the kind of tantrum only a teenager could throw. After, she simply answered, It's best that you know nothing more. And that's the last she spoke of him. You resented her. Years had gone by, and despite how alike you were at your core, you pushed her away wherever you could. You engrossed yourself in books, but never film. You took an interest in journalism and the arts, but you vowed never to touch a camera. You even chose student loans at NYU over free tuition at Miskatonic. Just despite her. It was that decision, your decision, that doomed her. You were gone and she was alone, and once again, she became an artist. Senior year, you were surprised when she called. You had forgotten the sound of her voice. In an unfamiliar tone, she said that she was in New York State working on a film, Mother of a Thousand, from the prolific Samuel and Patricia Graves. She asked if you would join her. You would be an audio assistant. An attempt to reconnect, 
Sure, you croaked, as a lump caught in your throat. You wanted to connect more. You thought about apologizing. You were going to apologize. But before the lump could leave, you heard the click and tone. She hung up. You were hurt, but you went anyway. You drove out to the Slide Mountain Wilderness and found the Old River Mill, the base camp for the production. You were greeted by Patricia Graves, the film's producer and lead actress, as well as the wife of the director, Samuel Graves. She was, in her early 30s, slim, dark, beautiful, but off. Perhaps it was the way she looked at you so intensely with her pale eyes. Perhaps it was how familiar her voice sounded when she said, We are so glad you have arrived, Mr. A. Or perhaps it was the way her footsteps were silent as she walked across the woodmill floor, the same wood floor that creaked and moaned as you followed. The crew was silent, too. They were not silent in the same way as Patricia. They looked at you only with quick glances. You did not see your mother. He's arrived, a voice called out from above. Samuel Graves was instantly recognizable, not just from his fine and overly curated apparel, but from the sheer aura of smugness and entitlement that he possessed. Definitely a man in cinema. Tell me, Mr. A, he continued as he marched down the growing stairs. Your mother says that you have taken quite an interest in audio. Is that fair? Yes, sir you stammered. Excellent. Leo? He turned his head to the audio technician, a tall and bulky man with a large boom pole and massive recorder at his side. Do you remember him now? Why don't you take this young man and collect some ambiance? Mr. A, I want to see how you are with the tech. We will be shooting the mother's walk at golden hour. I will not require either of you until then. Leo gave a small nod, and like that, Samuel and Patricia were off. Then it was just yourself, Leo, and the crew, and you became aware that all eyes were on you. You and Leo did your day's work in silence. Normally, this would have been just part of your job, but he looked at you the way the others did. Only quick glances. He never met your eye. He barely even spoke. Despite your best efforts, you never touched the tech that day. As golden hour approached, you arrived at your call. It was a clearing in a small valley notched into the mountains with a magnificent large oak at its center. Just beyond that, you glimpsed the rest of your crew and her. You hadn't seen your mother in years. Her once dark black hair had begun to gray, her skin had grown pale, and her eyes. Although they did not see you, they were lightless, tired, and resigned. You wanted to approach, but you hesitated. Before you knew it, Samuel was shouting for places. For Leo, that meant boom pole up high and just out of frame. And for you, that meant anywhere behind your mother. Your mother, Mary, rolled the film. Samuel called action, and the mother's walk commenced. Patricia emerged from behind the large oak. 
She donned white robes and a new, massive, pregnant belly. She limped towards the camera, an emotion almost like a dance through golden beams of sun. With each step she took, the trees moved in the wind. The oak itself seemed to bow. She sang. Mother, take me down through the leaves where the great goat shall find thee. The young shall call darkness for all where the black goat shall birth thee. Etalai Shabnagrath. Cut, Samuel called. It was as if you had awoken from a dream. Your vision focused, and where before all you could see was Patricia, now you could see everything, including your mother, who finally saw you. Your eyes locked. Hers were still tired, but possessed something else. Was it regret? You froze. You didn't know where to start. Should you apologize? Should you say hi? You didn't know the answer. Instead, you watched as she looked straight at you, and then to the graves who had already begun to head back to the mill. Without a word, she took off after them, leaving you alone. Back at the mill, you ate in solitude. Samuel informed you that lodging had been prepared. When you attempted to turn in for the night, you found Patricia without her prosthetic belly waiting by your room. Good evening, Mr. A. I hope you had plenty of hands-on experience today. You were taken aback, and then told her the truth, that you never even touched the tech. She scowled. Oh, well, I'll have Samuel talk to Leo then. We will fix this right away. Nothing added up. Film sets are places of hierarchy and heavy communication, yet this one was silent and you, the production assistant, were being treated with entirely too much attention. Then it occurred to you, this was nepotism. Those glances from the crew, they hated you. Then you thought about your mother's face when your eyes met. Guilt. You felt embarrassed and angry. So you marched down the hall to her chamber. You knocked, but no one came. You called out to her, but no one answered. You tried the knob, but no latch turned. Then you heard it, the sound of life from the other side. Brief, but potent sobs. She was there, but not ready. Had she felt this much guilt? The anger dissipated from your body, and instead, you felt shame. You were the one who was guilty. You were the one who should have been sobbing. You were the one who drove a wedge between you both, all because she kept a secret. You decided to walk away. You will always regret that decision. The next day, the crew was smaller than before. Apparently, there were several walk-offs the night prior. That didn't seem to dissuade the graves, though. Once again, you had been assigned to collect sound samples with Leo. When he said that you wanted to be closer to the camera, Patricia gave a sharp no, 
Instead, you were told to only come back for that day's main scene, the conception. Leo was more inclined to show you his equipment. Soon, you found yourself recording natural sound. As the sun reached the center of the sky, you both returned to that same clearing with the massive oak tree. This time, the only ones present were yourself, Jackson, Patricia, Samuel, and your mother. Did he actually record anything today, Leo? Samuel asked as you arrived. Graves held out a hand expectantly. Leo handed him headphones. Graves put them around his ears. As the track played, he smiled. Good, very good. He's not quite there yet, but will be ready soon. He took the headphones off and turned to you. Mr. A, you run boom. Keep the mic on Patricia. You were now in the thick of it. Patricia had disappeared behind the great oak, and Samuel stood beside your mother. Your eyes met hers. That resigned look was gone, replaced with intensity. She looked into your eyes and shook her head, then rolled the film. Action. The conception began. Patricia was now in front of the oak. You didn't see her move there. She just was, and she was nude. She had that belly again, but it had to have been real. You saw no seams, no straps, just skin, and there was no time for hair and makeup. Then another naked figure stepped out from behind the oak. Samuel. You knew he was just behind your mother. Your eyes darted back to confirm this absurdity. All you saw was her. Your mother's eyes were singularly focused on the scene at hand. You looked back ahead of you and saw both Patricia and Samuel now mere feet from you. They were intertwined among the grass. Patricia atop of him, he inside her. This was not what you had signed up for. This was wrong. Their breath came in unison as they sang together, their limbs combining into one mass. Thousands of young fall from the sun Where the black goat shall birth thee Shabnigrath calls mother of all Upon this oak she sees thee At Shabnigrath At this final climax, you try to move away, but something stopped you. Your muscles were frozen, holding that boom above Patricia. You felt as if you had to be still, as if that was the only way that you could be. She looked up at you and smiled. Her hair now glistened a soft iridescent, and her grin was a toothy white cut and like that they were gone you snapped back into focus patricia emerged from behind the tree with no belly and samuel now stood behind your mother they were both clothed we got what we need samuel chimed cheerily as he walked off you looked to your mother she followed him Leo gave you a solemn look and held out his hand for the boom pole. What the hell was that? You asked. What was what? He replied. Hours passed. 
you found yourself hunkered down in your room, lying baffled upon your bed. Had you hallucinated it? Had your mind begun to snap like your grandfather's? Had your mother known this could happen? Anger again rose in you. You had let your quarrel go, but now it was important. If you lost your mind, and your mother knew that it was a possibility but didn't tell you, well, that was just unacceptable. So you stormed to your door and wrenched it open, only to see her waiting for you. Run. Her voice cracked like glass on stone. You began to interject when she grabbed you by the shoulder. Her grip was urgent. Isaac, I need you to run, she shouted in an unfamiliar timbre. Why was that voice so different over the phone? Then that voice came to you. Oh, you're finally speaking. Patricia now stood in between you both, grinning ear to ear. You jolted back. You did not see her approach. You still have plenty left to do. She hoisted up a bag and pull. It's time for the mother's birth, and you both need to play your role. Your mother looked at you and commanded, Now! Your legs came alive with adrenaline. She shoved Patricia to the ground as you bolted for the exit. You turned, expecting to see the mill full of crew, but there was not a soul, just a table set for four. You burst through the sparse space and barreled out the door. Stop! Mr. A. Samuel's voice rang. You thought you would ignore him. You would have kept running until your legs could carry you no more. But that word rang in your head. Stop! All your muscles tensed at once, and pain shot through your jaws as it hit solid ground. Your body twisted overhead from the inertia and crashed with a sickening thud. Much better, Mr. A. His voice rang out again. Now stand up and take your goddamn pole. Without your input, your body moved on its own, each limb clumsily rightening you erect. You were pulled by the threads of his words and back towards the mill where he, Patricia, and your mother waited for you. Your mother, Mary, stood still. She held the camera with fear in her eyes and you held your pole. The troop walked back to the clearing. The oak was lit only by the night sky. You looked at your mother and she looked back. Neither of you could speak. But your eyes spoke volumes. You were sorry. Sorry for not being there. Sorry for being so petty. And sorry for being such a fucking brat of a son. Her eyes were sorry too. Mr. A, Samuel commanded. You are to stay here and record. Try to use your gift. Mary, give me every once we have the mother, I can send you to your grandsire as promised. Tears streamed down your mother's face. She rolled the film. Action! The mother's birth began. The world transformed around you. 
The once dark field was now bright as every celestial body dominated the night sky. The moon's gargantuan domain consumed the west, while the rings of Saturn and eye of Jupiter covered the east. Stars now seemed like distant suns that wrapped their lights around the globe. There was something else that was different, though. The large oak was gone. At the center of this valley, where the maw of the hills, mountains, and trees subsided, there was nothing. Only you, your mother, and at the center of it all, the graves. Patricia laughed as she fell to the ground, clutching her new swollen belly. Through laughter and pain, she cried a final verse. The tongue bestows a piece of its blood. Children of dark, we make her. Now we provide their blood to her. Mother of gods is born here. Atali Shabnagroth. This last syllable shook the valley to its core with a thunder-like crack. You saw movement. All of the trees at the edge of the clearing were wrong. They moved too much. They stood not from their trunks, but what could be either jagged roots or bovine-like legs. These dark young rejoiced in their final stanza. Samuel leaned down and kissed Patricia as a horrid thing crawled from her. A fleshy thing whose skin was toughened and rigid like bark. This is what broke you. What made you not want to remember, to need to explain this all away as a dream. The thing grew larger and larger from her. Its innards expanded and contracted to form new shapes that churned into faces. The face of a woman screamed a cry of agony, and then another voice joined hers. The face of a man folding out of the flesh above. Then there was another, and another, and another. Pouring from Patricia was a pillar of fiber, flesh, and plasma with a chorus of screaming faces. One of the faces you recognized well. The face you had spent your last two days with. Leo Jackson. You remember him now. Each face became part of a new limb protruding from its center stalk all screaming in a deafening cacophony. At its base now grew a large set of leg-like protrusions covered in fur that was more akin to worms or flame. Its sides now sprouted long tendril-like beams, each branching out into more rigid pulsing shapes, all containing mouse orifices and members that you could not unsee. Each branch then sprouted pods things that hung like hanged men, but far too large, each wriggling and moving, ready to be free. One of these pods fell next to the graves and outsprawled one of the things that were not trees. The massive being skittered to its kin in the not forest, and then you recognize the thing, the god in front of you. It was the great oak. It was the mother of a thousand young. Etelai Shubnagroth! You heard Patricia and Samuel cry in unison. Patricia began to stand, her body now changed, her skin now bark and her hair now the same worm-like fur. Feast on these children of dark, 
the blood of your kin, let you come into this world across the veil of dreams to be the mother of all things. The mother's tendril-like boughs and branches curled down towards you all. Samuel and Patricia held their arms out wide, welcoming the protrusions while you fought with the director's spell. The branches reached the graves first. When it met Patricia, each hair upon her head bloomed in something akin to flowers, each one a magenta or orange that seemed to resonate with the night sky. She was undeniably beautiful, a gift from her tremendous child. Samuel was a different story. As the thing reached him, he did not bloom or ascend. He was eviscerated. Upon contact, each member of flesh burst. Blood poured from every part of him and into the stock as he screamed and unraveled. When the blood was done, the rest of him liquefied and was taken too. Then, he was no more. And you knew you were next. Each limb and stalk folded on itself as it moved towards you. You fell to the ground with Samuel's words now gone, but it was too fast. You knew it was over, so instead you said the one thing that was on your mind for a long time. I'm sorry. There was a flash of white and gray, a static that felt distinctly analog. Then it stopped, and with it, so did the appendage. So am I. It was your mother's voice. You looked back at her. She held the camera still and defiant. At her command, you watched as another flash of static appeared and the tendril of the mother began to weave backwards. Bones and blood poured from its stalk that took Samuel and reformed his shape. Patricia lost her luster and staggered back. You watched as everything began to break down in flashes of static. The thing that was their god, the mother of a thousand young, began to fold into itself. Patricia fell back to the ground, and that thing was shoved back in her. Then you closed your eyes. You did not have to watch as the god re-entered its birth mother, as the faces of Leo and the crew were sucked back into the wrong flesh. Even as the screams stopped, you did not open your eyes, so you did not see as time kept moving. You did not see as time and space moved around you and your mother at an awesome speed. Hours were turned to seconds as your body was flown back through the previous sunrise and set, the mill, the forest, and the clearing. You did not see as you were hoisted back into your car and retreated back to New York City your mother guiding you with her camera. You did not see as she carefully put you back into your apartment and back into your bed. You did not see as your mother took in the place where her son lived and wept. You did not see as she observed every poster on the wall, every piece of junk on your desk, Every mark of who you were and are and would be, and beamed with pride, 
you did not see her cry, but you did hear her say, I love you, Isaac. And then you awoke. Come on, man. Come on, this is nothing compared to what Lou did to you. Shoving your head in the toilet. And come on, you still owe me that cup of coffee. Please come back to me. Talk to me. Felix. Feel how how Hey. How did they know? Hey, hey. What? How okay. could it possibly? What is this place? What are you? What, what are you? Hello? Is anyone there? Lou. Hey, can anyone hear me? Help! Lou! It's me! Hello? Lou, it's me! Felix! Oh why Why is the door locked? I need you to open Isaac. The door. Isaac, you have the key, right? I have open the door. Key. key. Isaac, Lou! Give me the key! I, I got it, I got it! Hold on, hold on! Hold on. In order of appearance, this broadcast features Abraham Bogali, Alexander Baumley, Benjamin Collins, and Kenny Wynn. This broadcast is under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution non-commercial share alike license and is produced and distributed by Scope Productions. You can follow us on Instagram at Armitage Account or our website armitageaccount.com where you can join the Discord server and learn more about our Patreon. Make sure the word is heard. Tell your friends and loved ones about this broadcast. Ensure their safety. Don't have any friends or loved ones? Or just want to spread the word? Then leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Season 1 is almost over. One episode remains.